podcast, what's up? Super fired up. Uh, gonna be in Texas, El Paso. When am I gonna be in El Paso? February 5th, I will be in Texas, El Paso, El Paso, Texas. Uh, if, so if you're in the area or have friends, and then I will be in Dubai on March 11th, I believe, that is correct. Uh, and to find out the rest of the places I'm gonna be that are locked in, go to garyvee.com slash events, and now sit back and listen to the greatest podcast in the history of mankind. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. What up, podcast? For today's episode, we combine a couple of interviews that Gary did in Minnesota for the Call of Duty League season opener. He talks about TikTok, Vine, and why he felt it was the right time to invest in the Minnesota Rocker franchise. So make sure to hit him up and leave a review, and I hope you enjoy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What's like? What's interesting? What's everyone talking about? What's on everybody's minds? Wow. Yeah. These two watch TikTok like all day long. TikTok. Dude, I heard you're like. I got, I got. I was like, I was. As I was like, this is stupid. Like, I'm not downloading this app. And now, and then I my sister was like, oh, just get it. And Atimaha, like, we made one. I don't know if you saw the video when we were at the I saw. Yeah, yeah. But so, so then I, I started scrolling through, and then all of a sudden, like, I'm like addicted to it. Like, I'll go on it for a bed, and I'll. I'll feel like, okay, just for like 10 minutes, I look up to been an hour. Yeah. yeah. I refuse to get it because I know why, well. Why is that? I've seen you guys watch it. Uh, because it's, it's positive and light. Yeah. I know, yeah. That's, it's it's, escape, it's to, escapism. It's very similar to Vine. I don't think why Vine ever, like, I don't know where they went. Did they just... Vine got bought by Twitter and oh, then okay. lost its soul. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That's what happens. Facts. Yeah. yeah. That's a good sign. That was very popular for a while. Vine was the best. I mean, that's, it was so great. So consuming yeah, but like the the punchline to that is, or you're gonna spend those consuming hours on something else. You're gonna play Madden. You're gonna watch TV. You're gonna go to Instagram. You're gonna read a book. Like it's all one fucking game. Like, like people demonize technology escapes while sitting there watching dumb television or like it makes no fucking sense. Like they're like, oh, you're wasting all your time on TikTok. I'm like you're watching fucking reality TV. Like or you're like like what? That's awesome, but guess what? What the fuck are you gonna do at 11.30 at night? 100%. You know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm in bed for sure by 11.30. Yeah, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, cool. Like, but one, like, it, like, it's so funny how just like people demonize certain things. Like, yeah. Oh, you when, it, when I try to think about it, I was like, I don't know why it's like so popular, but like I fall into the same trap of like. It's just kind of like stupid. My bigger question is like, why do people want to judge shit? Like, why anybody is like, like, why people spend time judging? Why, yeah. Like, everyone's like too like fucking ridiculous. Like, everyone's so funny. Everything's super meta to me. Like, why? I think it's funnier the people that spend all their time shitting on something than the person consuming it. Yeah. Like, there are literally people that you guys of your age group are hanging around your crew that spend as much time shitting on TikTok as the people consuming it. That's just yeah. counterproductive. I'm just like cool, like that makes you happy, like okay. You know what I mean? As usual. As usual. Where do you spend most of your time? Running the running Vayner Media. Like that it's a thousand person, two hundred million dollar company. Takes time. You know? But are you guys based or overseas, right? We're in New York based. Uh, we do have London and Singapore. I'll be there in a sec. Uh, I need him for work now. Okay, sure. uh, but I travel a lot, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. You like it? You like traveling? I do. I do. We were talking about it today. Like, I get so much work done on the plane yeah. that it's like wildly efficient. 
Like I prefer flying. I don't actually get to do work in the office. So like the plane's an important catch up. And just important to like nobody can bother me because everywhere else people can. Like literally the toilet, the shower, and the airplane are like my three favorite places on earth because nobody can bother me. You know? So. All right, I gotta go do this. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you, bro. Yeah, real pleasure. Podcast, what's good? Uh, Wanna make sure you're signed up for the weekly newsletter. We revamped it uh, a couple weeks ago and the response has been overwhelming. Um, In the history of the newsletter, maybe seven or eight years, I think we've had two or three significant changes, but there's been nothing like this. The recap nature, uh, the fact that it only comes out once a week, we, we visually loaded it up in a UI UX that makes it easily to consume while having a ton of information. There may be no better way to keep up with opportunities uh, and information that you're probably looking for than signing up for the newsletter. Go to GaryVaynerchuk.com, uh, my website GaryVaynerchuk.com and sign up for the email newsletter. It's at the top or the side or you'll find it. It's, it's there. Uh, sign up for the uh, Weekly V uh, newsletter and, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. And now to the podcast. First of all, thank you for the interview. Yeah, of course. Um, yes. I think obviously the first like question is uh, why esports and why this episode. It's a space I've been watching for seven or eight years uh, because mainly as an entrepreneur and as a human, I'm genuinely curious about pop culture and what humans care about. Uh, and when Justin TV became Twitch, I was very fascinated by that. Uh, I'm 44, so you know, kind of grew up as a, that first generation, that's that sweet spot of like actual Atari and Nintendo users. Culture always there and then, you know, just watching Doom and Madden and 2K, it's just, it's just been very obvious to me that this was real and then when South Korea and League of Legends and Overwatch kind of happened, I'm like, okay, this is starting to get very serious. And then from a cultural standpoint, whether it was FaZe Clan and things of that nature, it just kept, got more and more obvious to me that this was a foregone conclusion and so when the structured leaks format came along with Overwatch, I watched very carefully like how that rolled out. And what's that? Um, you said which format with Overwatch? Just the, the team city format. Oh, the franchise, yeah, the geolocated. The geolocated fr- franchise game. And so when, when this became next one up, for me Call of Duty and COD was so much more culturally relevant to the masses than Overwatch. And, and then when the Jonathan Wilf called me, uh, who I've known for a long time and have a real friendship with. Um, obviously, just like real business, like I thought they did an incredible job with the Vikings. Uh, they're very good people, and to have a meet, and then, and then again, to not be in this classic, hey, we want you to be one of the faces, but you own one percent of the company, to get meaningful equity in the team. Um, it just kind of the you know the stars aligning. There was enough things there that excited me, and away we go. I think one of the things that was interesting about covering Overwatch League is that so many of the people who I spoke to said, you know, I asked them the same question, yeah. why did you get into Overwatch League, why now? They said, oh, you know, Bob Kraft, Robert Kraft did it. That's right. Do you think that there's maybe a similar dynamic going on here where it's sort of like, I don't know, because you just mentioned the world thing, right? No, so for me, for, no, I would say it's a different dynamic. I think that, to your point, Bobby getting Bob to get in made the dominoes fall. This one's much safer. Safer. Oh, way safer. Despite the fact that the metric, the viewership metrics are way lower. Yeah, because it's 40 seconds in. Like, you know, like, you know, to me, that doesn't, that doesn't even register. Like, from, for me, the reason it's safer is you've already seen the format of 
that work with Overwatch to a degree. It didn't crash and burn. You know, you think, you think of things like XFL or things that, you know. You, still, going. still going. Still going. Still going. And to me, I think from a cultural relevance, broadening the market, not the hardcore gamer, I feel like COD has a lot more flexibility to go broad. Um, and has more permission and is more known and so it becomes an execution game. Because um, that's one of the big things that I've been tracking, right? You have this franchise that is, depending on the estimate, something like the third or fourth most sold franchise ever in the world. Um, uh, and yet, when it comes to the competitive scene, when it comes to, the, again, the viewerships and all that, um, it, it's like, it, don't, don't, no, yeah, don't yeah. quote me on yeah, this, yeah. but like, uh, Madden lives, right? So it's like, you get this game, it's, like you said, to your point, it is more culturally relevant, you have way more you know, influential people playing this game and talking about this game in general. I play with Patrick Mahomes, for instance, the yep. end event, uh, and that you don't necessarily get in, in, in a League of Legends. The end. It's okay. the same reason hip-hop was able to become bigger than jazz because the potential of growth was there. In 1984, did Farmer John from Nebraska listen to hip-hop? Absolutely not. In 1984, did hip-hop have the permission to in 25 years have Farmer John play? Yes. Did jazz? No. That's how I see it. Doesn't mean the execution will be there. But the permission because of culture. Ready? Great example. When Patrick Mahomes next year gives a huge shout out to his favorite COD player, that leads to awareness to so many more people into the franchise, something that will not happen with other games. Do you see the models being the same, for instance? Because you said that Overwatch League, I want to kind of take into that direction. You just mentioned that Overwatch League, you said that it sort of provides a safety level, it's a proof of concept for this. On the other hand, and this is exemplified perfectly by Rocker, there's also a traditional sports element too, right? So you're talking about video games, you're talking about traditional sports, yes. RRB, you're also talking about celebrity culture, Hollywood, content, blizzard. Yeah, I think that's right. How do you see those interplaying here? Do you see the model as being should be more traditionally sports focused, more traditionally, or should it be? No, I, I, I think it's video game culture with one element over it, which is the tribalization of localization. Okay. What does that mean? That means that the casual person can wrap their head around rooting for the Minnesota team versus just Face Clan, and that speaks again to the potential broadness of the sport. But when you start to geolocate things to cities, right? Uh, for instance, Face Clan. Face Clan's amorphous, right? You can be yep. living in Shanghai and you can be a Face Clan fan. Yep. Granted, people are fans in, in, in Shanghai of the Los Angeles Lakers. But do you think that it limits the audience? No, I think it helps people get into it. But I would argue, to your point, you can still be a Tyson Fury fan or a Conor McGregor fan or a Rafael Nadal fan or a Tiger Woods fan. I think it is, I think, I laugh when people think this is an or game when it's an and game. You know, we've, we've clear, with all the examples I just gave you, we've clearly seen the LA Lakers work, we've clearly seen Conor McGregor from Ireland fighting in other places work, uh, wrestling, tours, you know, so I, I think both work, I'm not crippled by that. When it comes then to the monetization of this, so the big thing obviously, traditional sports, TV. Yes. Do you see that as the future, the main source of revenue for all TV? Sure, but obviously like we're seeing in in real sports, the evolution to OTT and other platforms is coming, just like cable became a player, because if you and I were sitting here in 1972 or 78, and you asked me, do you think cable is a player? I say yes, and then years later, ESPN has the NBA and the NFL. I think, much like YouTube has this, uh, I think Netflix and, and Amazon Prime and Apple and Hulu and, and other OTTs that haven't been invented yet are gonna be major competitors to the networks 
and I think you're gonna see the same thing play out with this. We're obviously starting in the Twitch, Mixer, YouTube universe, and do I think in seven years the rights to the Call of Duty League might sit at the Netflix of the day, or even, by the way, or maybe cable television as it evolves and has to compete with OTT? The answer is yes, the major economics in sports tend to come to the exclusive right owners because I don't think you monetize through merchandise and live tickets at the same level. So yes, I do. The names that pay will evolve. Um, when it comes to content, obviously, Mr. Content, one of the interesting things I heard uh, when we did the tour uh, in Egan is that you're not required, not, well, the organization is not requiring players to stream a certain number of hours per day. That these the focus, yes. uh, diamonds, and the focus is on, is on winning games and helping these yep. become as good as they can. I was very surprised to hear that because in Overwatch League, Legends, it's a requirement in the contract. You have to practice this many hours, yep. you have to stream this many hours. Why wasn't the same thing put into place for, for Rocker? I'm not sure. Um, well, you know, I think, in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong because I could be wrong here, in the Overwatch League that is in place for all teams and it's not for COD, right? I think that's the case. I believe that's, I, I don't know the details of Overwatch League. Anything I can't speak to that. Understood. From my perspective, with, on the Rocker side, uh, I'm more, I'm thinking about this in 15 and 20 year terms and we, you know, we didn't go and recruit players that had the biggest social footprints because we did think that that is, I believe that that is more of the commodity than the actual player. That if next year in free agency we want to get somebody who has 11 million followers on TikTok who happens to be solid and that we're gonna bring on that person to bring awareness to the team or the league, that that's easier than building cohesiveness on a five person team and actually bringing players. So. I believe in some way, given my strengths, that that's actually a commodity that is actually easily attainable, yet I take the same take that you take, which is it's an important element to build awareness, um, and I think that that is something that will find balance over time. When it comes to esports in particular, with all the things that you do normally, uh, what are the unique or differentiating factors that you see within this particular community as opposed to just one with the YouTube or the online community in general? From just a cultural content standpoint? A lot of different things. From a player's standpoint, just the sheer, you know, I don't think people, well, it's actually unfair. I would argue that the incredible dancers on TikTok, there's a lot of people that watch them that actually are looking at the technique of the dance. You know? Uh, I, so you see that element. Uh, Trying to get better, basically. Yeah, like yeah that's right. What, what I would call the utility of, right? Yeah. Just the sheer skill. And then, you know, obviously there's people that come along that are double talented. They have skill and personality, ninja. And then there's people, right? And then there's actually just personalities who are actually just so entertaining that they might just be solid, right? So I think they fall into three categories. Uh, and I think that is a little bit different than you know, somebody who's a comedian or just giving business content or things of that nature. Though I'm sure one could argue that some of those people are bringing different levels of value other than what they seem to be on paper. Do you think that that also provides, um, so, uh, I won't leave the question, um, what additional value do you think that the competitive aspect has in this world, as opposed to, again, just like a YouTube person who's funny, okay, and, and, but 
here now we have somebody who's objectively good at uh, I think people find value in different things. So if you're looking to escape your life, a comedian can bring a lot of value. Uh, if you're looking to escape your life, a very attractive human bring, being can bring value. Uh, if you're looking to escape your life, somebody who's competitive can. Where's your city? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of people that follow people that are just oh, you're, I wildly attractive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, the value you get is in your Instagram feed or YouTube, or what have you, is like, you just want to look at that person so you're not thinking about your problems. For me, when I don't want to think about my problems, I want to watch competitiveness. That's why I'm attracted to sports. I don't want to watch a movie. I don't want to watch, you know, a, I actually like comedy. I don't want, you know, but I don't want to, you know, I don't watch a reality show to escape. I watch competition. And so I think for, for a whole group, these, these individuals in our sport bring that value. Success metrics or something like this, right? You said you speak in, you think in 15, 20 terms. Yes. Um, Obviously there has to be something in the near term to, you know, to legitimize continuing to, to have these leagues and, and those costs and everything. Yeah, I think that's so a good point. What if, what, I mean, I'm sure there are, what looks like success for you at the end of this season? Uh, at the end of this season, not much, and I'll explain why. I want to use this season to get a framework and a baseline. How many people are going to the events? How culturally relevant is it? How much merch is being bought? How famous are the guys and gals? Uh, how, what do the numbers look like on the YouTube screen? It'll be next year's, if you were asking me this in the beginning, you see where I'm going? Growth, growth, just growth. Now, one could argue, Gary, are you excited in year two of a 1% viewership bump versus a 100%? No, I mean, you know, obviously the second one would be a lot better, but you know, I didn't get involved in this for a 12 month flip. So for me, what will be interesting is two things based on the opening of this interview. Cod's continuation as relevance. Is, is Trevor Lawrence gonna share Cod content the way Patrick Mahomes is because he's a four years removed quarterback or is he not? Is the baby and Lil' Keith gonna do it the way Drake did it? Like it's a continuation of its stickiness and culture which I continue to think is the fabric of its potential growth because to your point on hardcoredness, it's in a different spot than maybe others, right? Um, and then, and then uh, just net growth is gonna really matter to me in year two, but if it's not there, like I'll give you an example. If net consumption in year two of this league on YouTube is down by 5%, I'm not bailing, I'm not panicking. It means that we have to evolve the offering for year three, no different than if you look at the last 20 years of the MLS and UFC, that has not been a straight up line. And uh, those two models that you see that is being particularly relevant for, for me, because I think of it in the macro of sports that now exist that did not when I was 18. Okay. Right? Sure. No, it makes sense. And I think that what's amazing about that sport. But then, so this is, you're seeing it like, I said I'm interrupt, but no. when you see it like uh, sports, right? That's what I was trying to get. I think about esports like soccer. So that's what I was asking. I look at it like soccer. Esports is going to be one of the biggest global sports in the world. Yeah. Soccer has about 25 meaningful leagues. Right. I prefer that COD be the English Premier League than let's say the league that plays in Iran. Sure. The end. Um, but what I was saying before about do you see sports being the mouthpiece or do you see esports being its own sort of like No, this thing? is sports so for me, in my head. So you do see the sports and you see yes. it as sort of like the model even though, okay. But, but, to, but I look at UFC and I look at the NFL yeah. equally. No, fair enough. I though they have different models. No, no of course. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, let me give you an example. 
If four years in, the owners have an owners meeting and say, you know what, the team sport dynamic doesn't work, let's go down the path of the WWE or, or the PGA or the tennis association, I'm not against that. Like, I'm in the business of changing my mind. Uh, also, the other question is about uh, organizations. So, uh, people have come down different ways on this when they're trying to make an investment, make a play into actually going into sports orgs as opposed to other investments that they could mm-hmm. potentially make. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Cuban told me that he was very much against it for a few reasons. Yep. The one being some of like the way the games get changed very quickly. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Another thing was because of player burnout. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering. Uh, you obviously chose the. Uh, and by the and then there's sort of the second point about revenue and where the revenue source is going to be for a lot of these orgs uh, long term. You obviously made the decision that this was the way to go. And so, in, you know, what else or what other things, not necessarily directly to those criticisms, but what pushed you to make this specific thing into an organization? Again, the, culture, the cultural relevance of COD, okay. the Wilfs as partners, yeah. uh, the fact that I wanted to have the learning experience of being involved. Those are the okay. three pillars that made me make this call. Okay. And, you know, look, I think, I think whether it's Cuban, whether it's, Schmubin, whether it's me, whether it's Bezos, whether it's Meg Whitman, there's a lot of hot takes all the time. Like, no, 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 it's a good point. Like Mark is somebody who I think is deeply consumer centric and I think I understand. I mean, player burnout is not even like, I'm I'm not a buyer of that. Um, What was the first one? Because I was a buyer of it. Uh, Uh, What did you say? So Um, he talked about the player burnout, the changes to the game. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair conversation. I would also, you know, say to Mark and others, the NBA has evolved enormously over the last 25 years with rules and evolution. I mean, we, when I was in my prime of watching the NBA, the average NBA game was 88 to 81. These guys don't that guard. Like the These guys don't, they travel on every play. Yeah. James Harden would be out of, out of the game one minute into the NBA in 1977 for traveling five times. Like, you know, so, like, I think that he's right, but I think if you look at Call of Duty from yesterday, call it seven years ago to today, yes, there's nuanced changes, but at some level one could argue, I would argue to his point that the NBA is still 89% the same, and I could argue that COD is 60% the same, but it's still got enough meat that I think that's a valid point. Yeah. Um, I hate this question, but I'm gonna ask it Please. I have to. Please. Uh, call of Duty League is different from Overwatch and from League of Legends in it's the nature of the violence that it's portraying. Yeah. Um, it's more, it's obviously far more realistic. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on that potential for? It's a great question. Um, I think it limits the audience. Not enough though to Not enough to give me pause. Not enough to give me pause. You know, um, I think, um, I don't think I get to make the moral judgments or the macro cultural decisions. I just watch reality. Um, I you think, don't think so? I don't about think making judgments, but you certainly have a hand in, in I would argue, dictating where people are looking and what they're focused on. I'm, so. I'm very flattered by that. I think, I, I'm flattered. I, I think what I'm probably doing more of is being aware of what's already happened and involving myself where I feel authentic. So you, right? don't, you don't see yourself as being necessarily like a, leader in pushing things in one direction, or a tastemaker in pushing things in Listen, I, I'm, I'm not unaware that people look at what I'm doing or what I'm into, but not in macro. Okay. You know, I think people, people overestimate influential individuals' ability to like yeah. truly move things completely. I think some of the most iconic tastemakers have just been riding the actual wave that already was created, not necessarily pushing everybody towards it. 
Um, I think there's people that add nuances and I'm very flattered that I bring enough value that people will look, but not to the level where the, it makes a league successful or not or, you know? But yeah, I, I do think there's some taste-making elements, but I think the, um, I think it's a, I, I think based on how I watch people move, I think it's funny, I, I'm fascinated, I, I'll never forget this story. I had a parent who was a business associate long before I was thinking about this stuff, we were just talking about life, demonizing uh, video game culture with shooter games, it's like 11 years ago, random dinner. While in the same dinner, four hours later, talking about the brilliance of Saving Private Ryan. And I'll never forget that dinner. And And I, it was just got into a really great conversation of, because you're talking about the visual consumption of the actions of, right? Well, no, she was talking Please. about the participation of it. Not, well, the, there's an interactivity element that's differentiating. I'm not saying I buy it. I'm playing devil's advocate. No, I know what I, you're I, doing. I, no, I'll, I'll, I'll say it on yeah. camera. Video games do not contribute to violence and culture. Yeah. That being said, there's a difference between interactivity. I think the question you ask is a really great question, a real fair one, by the way. And I don't, I don't, I'm not bothered by it anyway. No, I'm, I don't like to focus. Like, no, no, it's a, I think it's a, but I actually think it's a great question. I'll tell you why. Because I actually think the answer is a fun answer for me. The, the question is, does it limit it? Yes. I think everything has limitations. And there's people literally not watching the NFL because of their political stance. There's, there's everything has limitations. Um, and, uh, and I think that's what's fun about making judgment calls. I mean, you, you, you've actually set up a great interview. Like, to me, it's really even fun to break down my thought process of, I believe so much in pop culture that the macro pop culture DNA of, this spo- of the game is the thing I would bet on over the data of the short-term hardcore audiences. And it's interesting to see if that plays out or not, back to the analogy of jazz versus hip-hop in 1985. You say you believe in the power of pop culture. Yes. What does that mean if you can Patrick Mahomes next year taking a photo with one of these players because he wants to, because he actually cares about COD. And that is more cultural. The the other games that COD competes with. Yeah, that's right, sure. And that's just one execution within pop culture. Sure. Uh, And it's the power of what humans are actually interested in in the macro. Right? Like, what, what? I'll give you an example as humans become more educated of how to stay alive, yoga and meditation emerge. As we as a species become more educated of how not to die because we're interested in living longer, what plays out 25 years later at the consumer level is Peloton and meditation. That's something different now though, because there's always been things about increasing your life. It was, you can go back to you know, smoking for instance. I don't know if there's ever health benefits that were associated with that, but there's always a thing about improving health. It's just what was being promulgated, you know, what was being proffered is like the solution to it. Yes. And so we could welcome to find out that in 20 years, yoga doesn't do much at all. Yes. So it's sort of, you're seeing the conclusion and then sort of going back and saying, well, because, it, you know what I mean? It's almost like yeah, a no, I think, it's a, I, think it's, I think it's so, a fair point. I, I think, I think what I'm always interested in is how do things become interesting. Fair enough. And, and, I, and, and to your point, humans have a huge factor. Back to your intrigue on like where I see myself or, or celebrity. Uh, I think curators of information. I think, I, think, you know, I think what's really fun to watch the internet do now is meme culture. One creative person has one thought 
it catches a national consciousness, right? Absolutely. Um, it's fascinating. Anyway, that is absolutely what I'm betting on with Todd. Um, so to kind of wrap things up, uh, I wanted to leave it open and I've asked some questions, but if there's something I didn't ask about or that you just want to share in general. Well, I think give the audience that's consuming this article, I think I would challenge, here's what I would say. I would say many things over the last 50 years in American pop culture have come along and have been deeply demonized or misunderstood only to later become the establishment. And I think esports will have that historical place. Thank you. Thank you so much. As we end today's podcast, I wanna give a huge shout out to the people, you know, it's so funny. People that leave reviews and written reviews of this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms just mean the world to me. You've taken an extra 13 to 95 seconds to show love and also give context to people of why this is a worthwhile podcast. So I appreciate that so much. And even more fun, because uh, I think we all love a little cosign or a shout out or a little awareness. Uh, I'm gonna have the team give a couple of shout outs uh, daily on uh, our favorite reviews. So Dean, take it away. Which were our favorites this week? Thank you, Gary. Today's reviews, no BS here, and first time written in my Driven Diva Planner and Veneris 04 say. I love learning and listening to Gary Vee. He has excellent information and he is the real deal. Thank you for all your hard work that you do and for sharing it with us. And secondly, I woke up today and instead of scrolling through my feeds with music in the background, I decided to play your podcast, and this one happened to catch my eye. I loved everything about it. It was such an inspiration. Cannot wait to listen to more. Thank you both so much for writing in and remember, keep leaving reviews because yours could be next.